Welcome to Music Matters Podcast with Daryl Craig Harris, talking about all things music with celebrities, artists, music business insiders and more. Mr. Jerry Lenaducci, how are you doing? Good morning or good afternoon, better to say. Good morning on your part of the part of the country. Mm-hmm. Good afternoon for me. Yeah, where are you coming to us from? Um, today, I had to think. I've been all over the place the last couple of weeks. Today, I'm home from uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, okay, yeah, that, that's where we first met. So I was playing with um, Bruce in the USA, which is a, one of the, I guess, world's best-known Springsteen bands, tribute bands. And uh, that's how we first met, because you've been friends with those guys for years and years. And uh, you have a really great background. It's uh, you're a, kind of a financial. Well, actually, why don't you describe it? What you do? <laughs> I'll get it wrong if I try. <laughs> no, it's it, it, it's all good. Listen, I have the greatest job in the world. I've been doing financial income strategies for roughly 27 years now, almost three decades. Um, but the best part of my job is not messing with numbers or moving a decimal point or anything like that. It's just building the relationships on a professional level. And then the relationships continue to build on a personal level where almost all my clients, and I say this honestly, have become some of my best friends uh, from around the country. So, um, awesome. you know, that's what I do. Yeah, and, and so you, you can't technically say the names, but I know who your, a lot of your clients are and they're the top shelf of entertainment, um, professional sports and and kind of all over across the board Absolutely. and i know you've, you've worked with a lot of musicians and helping them overcome the freelance lifestyle which which is can be crazy <laughs> absolutely it was um again one of the things i love about what i do and how i have the ability to help others is i've learned industries i've learned occupations i've learned um the lifestyles of different individuals from different um different walks of life. Let's put it that way. Right. So freelancing um, is a very, very tough job. um, And, and people need some help sometimes. So I had to understand the freelance world a little bit to, um, to have the ability to help the entertainers out as much as I could. Right. And you, I mean, and we should say, first of all, to to begin with, um, this is, we're not giving financial advice. Um, We're just giving some overall topics, I guess, to discuss because it's important to, for people to understand what we're, what we're dealing with money wise as a musician, as a creator. Yeah. So, so uh, the legal disclaimer, you know, I'm not here to give any financial advice. I'm not here to sell product. Um, I'm not here to give any legal or tax advice. It's more of a conversation to help you think um, of things that you may have never thought of before. That's the entire intent of um, our conversation today. Right. Awesome. And then you have a new book. It's Creating Efficient Financial Wealth. When, when did that come out? Um, the, the book physically came out uh, the week before Thanksgiving. So okay. um, I've been having fun doing podcasts such as this and doing uh, morning drive radio shows here in Indianapolis with local um, FM radio in the awesome. early morning. And so I'm having I'm having a good time with it. So in terms of musicians, let's, let's start off with that because that's what I'm most familiar with. And we've had conversations too, because a lot of musicians have, first of all, they think, well, I, I can't even start a retirement thing because I don't, you know, I'm just an independent guy and I don't make any money. And, and, and we've had that conversation. So give us your thoughts on that. And where are good places to start as a musician, a creative to, to build for your future? 
Well, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. Where is it? Do we need to start? Right. So I think the individual, um, regardless of profession, needs to come to the realization that at some point we're going to, if we think of uh, Mount Everest and we think of, of the peak of reaching the peak of Mount Everest, that's the day we retire, right? So at some point, um, we're going to have to call it quits and say, hey, no more entertaining because I've had my run. Um, and not many people think that way. So my job is to help people in the music industry try and think a little bit different instead of trying to say, hey, here's my next gig or I'm going to be performing for a whole week or a 10 day run at such and such a place. It's okay. you've done the run. You've gotten you've earned your money. What are the possibilities now? Because we have to plan for the future instead of um, living paycheck to paycheck or, you know, just spending all that you make or sometimes spending more than what you made. <laughs> which is, which is the common, especially in the, in the States, that's the common way of yeah, credit absolutely. cards, all the other stuff that we know of. <laughs> absolutely. But, um, it, it, you know, think about, <clears throat> I guess for the listeners, I want you to think about <clears throat> What you're, we're we're doing our taxes right now, right? We're in the middle of tax season. So everyone's getting all their tax documents together and they're adding up all these numbers, whether they're doing it themselves or handing their documents over to a professional. Those numbers represent your lifestyle that that you were given in the year 2021. So whatever that number is and that lifestyle was in 2021, I want you to think about what that number is going to be the day you retire and how you're planning on achieving, maintaining that lifestyle, right? Right. So many people um, with today's environment, right? Just this morning, they were talking about California potentially seeing $6 a gallon versus gas, right? The biggest misconception is the day that I retire, I'm going to live in a lower income. It, right. It is not the, the fact sort that of like, that, like I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll just live less, less meat. It's like, well, yeah, but you still have to have the basics. <laughs> Absolutely. Just the basics or just, it's not having the basics, but it's what are the basics going to cost? Right. right? So if, if gas is increased by from $3 a gallon to $6 a gallon, you're now filling up hypothetically from $40 a, ga- uh, a tank to $80 a tank. So living, you're still maintaining that same um, uh, lifestyle by the the basics, but it's costing you more. So- And and also we're talking, maybe we're talking 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And it's really really hard to anticipate, although you do the best you can, what that's actually going to cost, right? (laughs) Absolutely. So think about it this way. What we are going through now if you thought the way we're having this discussion 30 years ago or 20 years ago, you would have the ability to adapt to today's changing environment. And that's what I tell my potential prospects because people do not become my client until they say, yes, I trust Jerry Leonarducci and I want to do business with you. That's when they become a client. But prior to that, they're a prospect. So my thought process is if I've been in this industry for 27 years, almost 27 years, and I've had the the 
luxury, the luck to help so many individuals who were making mistakes, does it not bring value to you, the potential new client or the prospect? Do I not bring enough value to the table to help you understand that there were others that were making the same mistake as you? And because of our conversations, I can help you identify that problem. And once you've identified it, the question is, it's not on my responsibility, right? The responsibility falls on you to fix it. And if you want to get out of the mess that that you're in, and then I help you create the strategy to to get you out of that mess. Yeah. And and we've talked about that before with my own personal thing. But what's some of the, um, in terms of musicians, you know, a lot of musicians, um, what's the first like one, two, three ABC things that you tell them when you first talk with them? Obviously, a lot of musicians are dealing with tax issues. Maybe they haven't filed taxes. Maybe they don't, they don't under, yeah, I mean, you know, we all know, we know that story. Um, maybe they haven't filed, maybe they get overwhelmed by all that stuff. What would be the first starting steps that you would walk them through to get them on track? Well, the first thing I would, I, I would say is, are you, are you comfortable enough doing it yourself? The DIY, right? We're in the DIY phase. If you right. are not comfortable doing it yourself, which I would highly not recommend doing it yourself, is find a professional that um, will, will accomplish the, fo- the three things. And these are the three questions, Daryl, that I ask of my potential prospects prior to even having an arrangement. Number one, do I like the person who's sitting next to me or across from me? Sure. If you like them, the second question should be, do you see yourself developing a long and professional relationship with them? The key word is professional relationship, right? You are, you, Daryl, or the musicians are professional musicians. You get paid professionally to perform. My relationship as a professional is to do what I do best and help you accumulate wealth in the most efficient way. And, and also third, protect and protect your assets that you already you currently have, right? <laughs> which, comes into, which comes into the tax situation. Yes. But we'll, we'll get there in a minute, anyways. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and the and the third question is, um, you know, is the person sitting across or next to me going to be open and honest when I ask them those tough questions? Right. right. Because I cannot do my best unless you give me and open up your entire portfolio of the mess that you have, because then I'm just, I'm not building yeah. anything. It's sort of like, it's sort of like confession time to your, 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 your priest. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, the thing is, if they're not honest with you and then you find out down the road, that they weren't honest with you, then it creates a whole, whole, I say shit storm, but for lack of a better term. Yep. So you definitely, and, and musicians, you know, we've all dealt with that. We're, we're sort of afraid of, you know, the IRS as many people are, but in our particular situation, it's even more. So being a freelancer, you get even more scrutiny sometimes. So um, what go building on what you just said, um, what are some of the questions, the key questions that you always ask uh, these kinds of clients um, from the outset? From, from the outset, you know, once, um, I asked them, I'll just point blank, how happy are you with where you're at today? Right. Right. And whatever the response is, my job is to say, well, if you are happy, why are you just happy with what you have? 
if you're not happy, what has caused you to be in the position that you are in presently of being unhappy? And then how do you see me helping you accumulate more if you're happy? Or how do you see me assisting you to get you um, out of the quicksand because you're, quick, you're, you're sinking real quick? And how do, how do you see me uh, giving you that branch to pull you out of, out of that quicksand? What role am I going to play in your life from this point? Right. Because in your situation too, you're not, it's not, I'm an accountant. I'm going to do your taxes. It's more than that. It's actually planning. It's making yeah. a plan for the future, right? Yeah. It's all about <clears throat> when, when we say I'm a financial planner, I take that as a very open-ended um, uh, position. Right. Financial planning is more than the mathematical equation that Albert Einstein discovered of money times rate times times equals wealth. Financial planning is all about having, how do we build your wealth? Not only do we build wealth, but how do we build it in the most efficient manner? So think about it this way. Einstein, with the brilliant mind that he had, right? One of the greatest minds that we've ever known, never discovered the compounding of interest. So as your account value grows, so does the tax burden on your assets. So if you had $100,000 in your account and your marginal tax bracket hypothetically is 20%, you are paying $20,000 in taxes. Well, if your account grows over time to $1 million, your tax bill has now grown to $200,000. Right. So that's the part that Einstein never discovered. And it's almost like um, years ago, my wife and I um, took a, um, a cruise up to Alaska. And what we noticed was the cruise ship was staying so far away from those icebergs. Why could we not get closer? Well, when we asked the people that worked on the cruise line, it, it gave us, they gave us the answer was the iceberg is 10 to 15 to 20 times larger underneath the water than it is above the surface of the water. And hence the Titanic. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, right? So using that Titanic analogy, just just imagine the only thing that we are looking at are our statements that we receive in the mail every quarter. But we, we do not know what's the underlying factors or what are those underlying factors? And that's where having the relationship with someone that you like and someone that you trust and someone that's going to be a straight shooter um, is going to help you create more wealth more efficiently. And that's what I'm all about. Right. And, and, you know, as a creative, um, even speaking for myself, you know, I'm very um, part, certain part of my brain works a certain way. Numbers has never been a great thing for me. But that's true of a lot of people, right? And a lot of people, especially big stars, they, they have a whole team of people that deal with that because they need to focus on being creative, doing their work, and they can't get stuck into that. But there are certain basic things that we have to do. And especially if we're like a band leader or that kind of situation, which we personally dealt with with yeah. some other people, uh, you know, you got to be able to do the business stuff, which is 1099 people if they're working for you. So you do not end up being personally responsible for their taxes or getting having the IRS coming out uh, after you. Can you talk about that part of it? Just the minutia of running a band? 
and that kind of thing? Oh, man, running a band. I know it's complicated, but yeah, yeah well, not only complicated, but, you know, you know, I, I, for me, because I have those relationships with the individuals that run a band, right? Not just run a band, but run an organization, right? right. Lar- large, we should say large artists. Yeah, right? seven, eight, nine uh, musicians in a band, right? It's not just a duet. But, you know, there's there's the travel part. Who organizes the travel? Who, who organizes the hotels? Who organizes um, the meals? Um money aspect how how do you get paid what happens if a flight cancels and one of the band members is not at at sound check who's going to do that kind of stuff and, and the interesting right. part is the the general public they just show up at the venue an hour before showtime right and they're ready for a good time and they really never think about what these individuals, what these professionals are doing at two o'clock in the afternoon and show times not until eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock sometimes, right? Sure. There's the sound checking. There's, you know, making sure everyone is um, is is at their location for for pickup at two o'clock for the shuttles to take you to the venue. It, it's there is so much work that goes in there and then paying everyone, right? You, you, you have salaries, some Entertainers are on salary. Others are paid by gig. How many shows you've done, right? Um, you could be a stand-in. You could be a substitute for someone that can't play that weekend at a venue. So then you have to work out negotiations with, um, I'll pick on your side of the stage, the backup bass player, right? Right. Yep. <laughs> so um, there is so much to it. And that's where I really appreciate the different, um, the different, um, jobs that everyone does right who who, who's responsible for the loading and unloading of the equipment who's responsible of meeting and socializing with the public prior to the show and after the show social Uh, media it's crazy it's i know there's so much and i (laughs) i should ask you it's a kind of a trick question so how tell me tell us how many times you've seen bruce springsteen (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm just gonna slide that one in there. Uh, why do you have to go there people i know no, listen i have been uh, fortunate enough blessed enough to seen to to have seen and witnessed 188 concerts yeah that, that's wow yeah i've never seen bruce live i know i should say the reason i asked that is because that's how we met yeah with bruce bruce in the usa like i mentioned is, is one of the most successful bruce touring bands and uh you're you were our loyal fan and, and and good friend on the road all the time so that was awesome it, um, it's, but, but, i'm sorry go ahead no go right ahead go right ahead i was gonna say but to go back i got off track a little bit but to go back to um in terms of like okay so you have a band leader you're sitting down with this guy he has a band what's the first couple of things that you tell him that he needs to do to keep his band financially stable? Like what are some of the top points that you, yes. you, would, you would hit him, hit him with? So um, number one, how, how um, if, if there's, if there's two individuals that uh, are running an organization, right. Uh, a band is no different than any other um, business. It's just the band, right. That has five employees, six employees, and you have two partners in that band. So the question here is do um you know, do you have proper buy-sell agreements put together? Do you have any, um, when it comes to protecting themselves, do you have any disability um, insurance that if either one of you were to get hurt, the band 
the the leader or the owner of the company will still have an income coming in to now pay the 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 rest of the band members that are 1099 that are not on payroll or on payroll right. so um you know protecting starting off you know you, what are the basics i think a lot of people forget about the basics and then just jump straight to the top and go for it without um, creating a solid foundation about protecting themselves and protecting the future income, not only for themselves, but also the, the uh, potential band members that are, that are in the, uh, in the show. Right. Cause when you get into, you know, even, even like a mid-level tribute band, which is something that a lot of people are familiar with, you could be talking about hundreds of thousands a year. Um, these guys are paying out money to band members. It becomes a pretty big tax thing, a pretty big financial organization, oh, yeah. right? Absolutely. Um, You know, having been friends with um, with Bruce in the USA for now over 20 years, um, I'm not saying this because of who they are, but um, they're friends. Right. We we are literally friends where um, just like uh, one time we came out to to Vegas. Right. And you showed us around. Where was it out to that pioneer saloon type thing? It, it's right, right. just not right. It's not just we show up for a show, have a beer or two. It's it's more of about um, just creating friendships. And I learn so much about each individual, uh, not just in music, but in all that they do from plastic surgeons. Right. It, it, it's, it's crazy on how plastic surgeons do do their art and their profession. Yeah, yeah. We had, it's funny because actually I host a, a, another podcast series with Dr. Jeffrey Ross from Las Vegas Plastic Surgery. And that's one of the things we talked about was people don't, they always assume, oh, those guys are rich. And it's like, no, that's a big undertaking having yeah. a medical practice. You know, and, you got, you have a crazy insurance costs. You've got, a, you're, 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 you're also a human resources. There's so much that goes into these small businesses that people never think. They just go to the doctor and they think, oh, that was nice. That was a good visit. They don't realize all the other stuff that has to happen. <laughs> no, they do. No, they do not. It is uh, again. Um, I just feel really fortunate that I have the ability to learn about all these things. And right now, as as you and I are speaking, I am almost ready to po- potentially be doing business with a gentleman who um, is responsible for refrigerated shipping containers. And getting them from um, the the overseas, over in Asia, over to the U.S. And it's just crazy on tracking inventory of refrigerated shipping containers. Yeah. But all that, you know what? All that stuff makes the world go around. Entertainment, business, it's all, it's all, like you said, even though people are musicians, it's still like, you know, you got a small business there. If you're you're working, if you're a working band, um, and, and, and all it's like a whole lot that has to happen to make sure that you don't get in trouble, make sure you stay right on your yep. taxes, have uh, some extra money for emergencies. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, it's interesting you bring that up because sometimes um, I'm going to I'm going to use this phrase and I'd like for everyone to really pay close attention to it. And the phrase is money is not math and math is not money. And the reason I bring this up is because of what you just said about emergencies, right? We are all, for a fact, we are all going to have some sort of emergency over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. The question is, when is that emergency going to happen? So when we have that emergency, um, one time a, um, a musician 
He had uh, six digits in his account and had a massive, massive emergency. And this was pro he called me to ask me my advice or if there were other ways that he could get his money without paying penalties. So um, he had to pay a 10% penalty to get to his own money, right. right? He had his money invested inside an IRA. And because he was prior to age 59 and a half, had a huge family emergency, he wound up taking a, a nearly a $40,000 penalty that he had to pay the following year just to access your money. Yeah. And people, you know, that's, that's part of the thing, like, you know, having income that's invested, but then also having cash available is something, which is something that we've talked about, like long-term versus short-term, right? Uh, absolutely. Having, um, you know, the rule of thumb for years, it's been six months of income. Um, I always tell my clients 12 to 18 months worth of one year's or a year and a half worth of your income in a liquid account. Liquid account, meaning in a regular, excuse me, a regular savings account, or sure. it could be it could be money that you have staffed in your uh, stashed in your safe at home, something that's accessible 24 seven, seven days a week in the event that you need it for an emergency. Because yeah, um, things things always come up, and especially if you have kids or if you have a house, oh, yeah. or <laughs> yeah, we know there's always the water heater. Or yeah, absolutely. Some, or or the tour van stops working, which happened to us. We had to get a new van on the road. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I've heard those stories about the van breaking down on the side of the road. Um, yeah, that was actually that was actually Maine in January, and it was minus twenty and windy, and the van would start. Uh, <laughs> that was a great memory. Hot uh, and sweaty and minus twenty. Yeah. Well, you, you know, I've heard horror stories about band, bands having their equipment stolen in the middle of the night. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and one one evening, I don't know where it was, but it was um, it was somewhere, and I was leaving um, leaving the establishment. And as I was driving by, I saw someone towards the van and I was like, so I turned around real quick and um, it was the band, it was the band leader making sure all of the equipment was locked up for the night. I was like, yeah. ready to call, dial 911. Oh, you know? I know. That, that, that's a whole other subject <laughs> we've, we've all dealt with. Um, let's, uh, let's go to your book. So um, your book is, looks really interesting. What, what was the motive for you writing the book or what was your thoughts behind it. I know you had, you had thought about that for a number of years, but uh, tell me tell me about the motivation. Well, um, in all honesty and complete transparency, it was my grandson. You know, mm -hmm. um, I started to think about how, what, what legacy would I leave behind? And now my words are in print and they're here for eternity. And not only is it my grandson, but my great-grandchildren and three generations after I'm long gone, if one day they decide to, if there's still such thing as Google, you know, a hundred years from now, who knows? Um, yeah. We'll be able to find that Jerry Leonarducci was uh, an author and a motivational speaker and a, a financial professional and, and just read um, about our story. Right. And the reason I say about our story is this is what I find fascinating. We as Americans know how to read and write the English language. We know how to communicate. But um, when these two individuals came to this country in 1966, they came over with less than 400 American dollars. They did not know how to read or write English. They did not know how to speak English. But yet these two individuals had the ability of 
um, trusting someone in my line of prof- uh, profession, working with that individual for a very, very long time, and having the ability, listen to what I'm going to say, having the ability to retire prior to age 62. Mm-hmm. But yet, okay. so many Americans can't even do that today at the age of 62, 65, or 70. And those two right. individuals were my mother and father. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's why I wrote the book. Um, it, it gave me the incentive to really tell my story about motivating people that if these two individuals who were my parents were able to do it, there's no reason, Daryl, why you and I can't do it. And we know how to communicate and we know how to read and we know how to write. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's actually the, one of the most crucial points is that everybody is capable of doing this. Everybody's capable of building a stable financial future. It just takes planning. And sometimes it takes realizing that, hey, I can't do this on my own. And most people actually can't do it on their own because it's too hard. It's too complicated. There's all the tax laws. There's all this and that, and the different ways of approaching it, um, which I think it's important for, for, for conversations with people like you. And I've known you for many years. You're a good, solid guy. You're an honest guy. And um, you work really hard for your clients. And uh, I think it's important to have conversations like this in the creative um, world in the creative space, because people get very intimidated about even being like, they're like, ah, oh, my thing's a mess. I don't even want to tell anybody. But it's like, the only way you get it fixed is by sort of swallowing that bitter pill and going to talk to somebody who can help you. Right? Absolutely. It's kind of like a medical doctor, right? He's yeah. always it's seen gonna, something it's gonna hurt. worse. It's going to hurt a little bit. But. Yeah, it's going to hurt a little bit. I've seen worse, but don't worry. It could be fixed, right? I, yeah, I have yeah, yet, yeah. Um, the question is, how deep am I going to have to put that syringe in there to numb the pain to stitch you to stitch you up, right? Um, right. But, uh, you know, let's just take our current environment that we're in, right? We, um, as advisors, have been talking about wealth eroding factors, and that is a fancy terminology for inflation. Right, which we're all feeling right now. That we're all feeling big time, right? We are also um, at, uh, listen to this, we're at the lowest history of having the ability of borrowing money with our mortgages, Two three percent in the okay. in early two thousands, interest rates for mortgages were six to seven percent, eight percent. In the nineteen eighties, mortgages were 15 percent. Right, and now inflation—it's almost like you're getting paid to have a mortgage. Right. Because yeah. You you with me? If you start yeah, yeah, thinking yeah. holistically. But yet, the most common mistake that I see, we're not saying not to have your home paid off by the time you're retired. But if you can make smarter, wiser, and more efficient decisions to help you pay your home off and have more of an asset, would you not want to know how to do it? Right. And also also killing off high interest credit card debt, right? Because that's something we talked about. Because yep. that's the thing. Everybody, they'll do all the right things on the one side, and then they're using those cards, and they're just killing themselves with the interest and all the other stuff, right? A- absolutely. People, we have to understand, try playing the game of chess without, without the game board. You know where the pieces go, but you can't play that game of chess, right? So 
think of um, everyone who's listening. I want you to think about your junk drawer at home. The reason I say I want you to think, I know everyone has a junk drawer in their home. I happen to have three of them, right? So that junk drawer is going to represent your financial life. You have purchased products from individuals at different points in your life, at different times in your life. Now, in a junk drawer, everything is there, but it is all unorganized. You know you have paper clips. You know you have safety pins. You know you have um, pencils. When my children were small, I had pencils with half-bitten off erasers, right? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so the game board... The analogy that I'm creating here is what if you had a financial game board and worked with a professional who could dump out your financial junk drawer, dump out your car insurance, dump out your wills, dump out your social security statements, dump out your life insurance, your IRAs, your 401ks, your Roth, your stocks, your bonds, your real estate, your cash flow, your debt. See, that's your financial junk drawer. And what we do is we sit down with you and we organize everything. And once everything is organized, my job is to help educate you on what you are doing, demonstrate the pros and cons of everything that you are doing, and then help you facilitate a strategy to help you accumulate wealth. But the greatest part, not asking you to take a dime out of your pocket, no out-of-pocket cost. So right. the, the, the analogy here is if you and I or to the listener or to the viewer both had a sponge and we soaked that sponge in a glass of water, the same exact sponge, same amount of water, and we soaked that sponge in there and we pulled it out and then we tried to refill that glass of water, one of us is going to have the ability of putting more water in that glass than the other. And the reason for that is the other person could have a better grip on their sponge. They could have uh, soaked up more water. And that's what I do is I have that ability to maximize your wealth, reduce your debt, and never take any money out of pocket by using your assets more efficiently, bottom line. Right. Yeah. And I got that. And I think that that's important. Again, like it, no matter what your situation is, first of all, you need to have a long-term plan. We never know, you know, you're healthy now and you feel great now, but 20 years from now, you may not feel like you want to go on the road for 50 weeks a year. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. I kind of came, came to that place with, with the Bruce bat. I was, I mean, luckily those guys work so much, but I was like, I just, it's a lot to be gone that much. Yeah. So you have to think like someday I may not, you know, when I'm 50, 60, 70 years old or whatever it is, I may not want to have to go on the road, even though I still want to be a musician. I still want to be a creative. So you have to, that's part of what we're talk, talking about is, figuring out how that's going to work for you down the road. And, and, and also and, knowing that th things are going to come up that you can't possibly foresee. Right. right. And the interesting part is that, mm. that that occupation of being on the road, the months go by very quickly. And yep. within a blink of an eye, you are 55 years old and it's too late to start planning because you won't. Now you're forced to live to 70. You know, sometimes I think about, those musicians, it's hard for us, the public to understand, I'm not going to name any musicians, but musicians that make $100, 200000000 million a year, right? But they have a certain lifestyle. That is a gross number. Those musicians have employees, right? They have people on their staff. 
a musician, an artist, is their business. And under their business falls the support staff of their employees, and they have to pay them. So, right. you know, the media really the, the, the media doesn't come out and say, hey, they gross two million dollars. They just say, hey, this certain rock band had the grossed the biggest revenue in 2020 in the in the middle of a pandemic of four hundred million dollars. Well, the band might walk away with only two or three million of of that after taxes and and all their payroll and all their expenses. Yeah, that tour expenses. You got insurance. You got to yeah. pay your paying health care. You got got to carry a crew. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, that's the funny thing because people think, oh, so it's so so rich. I'm like. Yeah, you don't really know what's all behind. <laughs> you, you do not. And, and uh, you know, I have one uh, very, very, very high profile entertainer. And um, when I did business with them, I looked at them and I was to myself, I was like, wow, I make more money than this guy. Almost almost. I make more money than this guy because of all of his right. expenses that he had going out. Um and a certain lifestyle to maintain. And a lot of times they don't even they don't even personally realize how much I mean that's how you have guys that they make fifty million dollars and they broke three years later because they don't even know where the money's going. Then they, they aren't business guys and they, they have to trust people that are not necessarily trustworthy sometimes. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. Business managers that maybe don't have their best interests at heart. So it's it's so tricky, right? It, it, it is very tricky. And again, that all boils down to one of the questions you asked earlier. You know, do you like and do you trust this person? Right. Trust yeah, is, so the, important. Is, is so important these days. Well, trust, not just today, but trust is you have to tr completely trust the person that you're about to do business with. Right. And I'll, actually, let's talk about something else that's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh -oh. This is another curveball question. So cryptocurrency, because I know you're very familiar with that. <laughs> uh, today, you <laughs> really actually, want to talk about I, that? Well, just a little bit, because it's it's becoming such a big thing. And I'm actually involved in NFTs uh, with a company in London. Um, okay. Full disclosure, aficionados out of London. Um, so you actually became quite famous <laughs> because of... of a Bitcoin. I don't know how much you can talk about that, but it's kind of a cool story. Uh, well, uh, so yeah, let, let, right now, as we speak, um, just last week, I gave a uh, discussion to a group of uh, financial advisors um, here in Indiana. And just last week, Bitcoin was at 43,000. And I believe this morning it's down to like 36, 37,000. Right. Yeah, because it, it is volatile. That's that's it, it is very, very <laughs> volatile. If you do not have the stomach for loss, do not do not jump into the cryptocurrency world, because right now the analogy, I'm going to throw my hands up in the air like we're riding on the roller coaster and we are going down fast. Right. And plus with the political instability, all that stuff plays a part. Right? Absolutely. And um so I always tell people, if you don't have money to lose, don't don't get into the crypto world because the opportunity of losing more money is greater than making some money. Um, five or six years ago, my personal story with crypto, and here's the reason why I decided to do it. Um, at, the at that time, I had seven to eight months of reserve income in the event of an emergency. Um, I had my retirement plan position the way it needed to be regarding my 401k and my Roth 401k.
So I had liquid savings. I had my retirement savings. I had some equity in my home that I had access through a home equity line of credit. And I also had cash value life insurance. So because I know how to unbundle and how to use certain products, I was able to use- Without taking a hit. Without taking a hit. I was able to use the cash value of the life insurance. And if anyone is interested, you can Google Indianapolis Bitcoin wedding where um, (laughs) uh, that was quite a story. Yeah. Yeah. NBC nightly news actually flew a crew to Indianapolis and interviewed um, our family um, because I used Bitcoin to pay for about 85% of my daughter's wedding. So um, yeah. And that's a funny interview because you're actually, because of your financial situation, or your, your business, you actually weren't allowed to talk. I, I was not allowed to speak. I, I was literally threatened that if I opened up my mouth, they, I would be fired. Um, and the funny part about it is some life insurance companies are now in the crypto. And there is one life insurance company that ha- that invested over $200 million in cryptocurrency just over a year ago. Oh, and, yeah. And then two years you know, four years earlier, they were threatening advisors that we were not even allowed to talk about crypto. But right. I, I like you, Daryl, I do believe in cryptocurrency um, just because of the NFT arena, right? Yeah, that, that's an interesting space. And actually, uh, there's a lot of mystery. I mean, it's still a little bit of the Wild West. And yes. I, I've, been, I've been learning quite a bit from that too, because we have our um, Music Crowns company in London, yeah, um, who's partnered with a, a really fun firm that's launching and I have my photography aspect for my um, sports photography and we're doing NFTs with that. Talk a little bit about NFTs. I, I, I know that you've kind of been exploring all that stuff as it, as it keeps coming out. So yeah, here's um, I'm, I'm kind of hitting you out of left field. With yeah, out of left but field, I, but it's but all I, good. Hey, but I know I know you know a lot about it. So. Yeah, we have to yeah, listen. The way I look at it is you have to adjust when something's thrown at you. Right. So I'm just adjusting. But in all <laughs> honesty, here's how I explain the NFT market. When 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 we were young, I mean, young, 12, 13 years old, we collected memorabilia, baseball cards, and those cards had a value And that value was what someone else was willing to purchase that baseball card for, right? So, and and the card increases and decreases in value. So when I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, I had nine, nine Ricky Henderson rookie cards. And at the time they were valued at about $300 a piece. It was the year he broke Ty Cobb's stolen base record. I wound up unloading them. Because when I moved to North Carolina as a single young individual, I had no money for Christmas or anything like that. I couldn't pay my rent. So I sold some of my cards at the highest that they ever were. That is exactly what NFTs are today, except it's in the crypto market and it's a digital. It is something digital. So basically, you end up with a digital thumbprint, essentially. So yes. each one has each one has a unique number, and then the other part of it is, uh, my understanding is when you sell them, you can actually like if I'm creating NFTs, say a photo, for instance, or a work of art, um, I can attach a percentage that I I want to be paid every time that resells, and that could be your future income. So it could be ten percent, it could be five percent, fifteen percent, yeah, and that can go on forever, right? A- a- absolutely, it can go on for eternity, and entertainers. 
right? Um, professional musicians are finding that out very, very quickly that they can cut out the middleman, the record label yep. by producing their own music and, and using the NFT market and cutting out the middleman where the record companies were making the majority of the profit off of that entertainer. Right. And now a lot of these record companies, what they're also doing is a 360 deal where they want part of your touring money. They want part of your merch money. And yep. it just becomes a ridiculous situation. It's like, hey, how am I going to make money? I'm on the road. I'm incurring all the expenses. So the NFT outlet is actually, you know, a really interesting new creative way to deal with that. And, and I, I guess I've, I've been personally getting involved as a photographer, but um, it's a really exciting exciting thing and and it's it's still like i said it's still a little bit of the wild west people need yep. to understand what it is right but but uh, you know that's a great analogy daryl the wild west everything <laughs> that everything new is part of the wild west it's just out there until um there is a control over it right and and how it becomes more regulated and and all of that stuff but it is so fascinating to me that all of a sudden the NFL is in, in the NFT arena. Right. Major artists are coming in. Yep. Yes. They're coming in big time. Excuse me. Um, I'm, I've been to two World Cup qualifiers for the United States men's national team. And um, the U.S. men's national team is into the NFTs providing um, posters to those individuals that attend the games, all digital. And once those posters are gone digitally, they're never going to get them again. And then, like you said, once they sell, the U.S. soccer organization is going to get a little percentage every time that NFT sells on the market. Right. And another really creative use of that, too, is bands are selling um, backstage pass. They're selling meet and greets with NFTs. There's a lot of really creative stuff happening. And I think it's pretty exciting, especially for small independent artists. It's yes. a great way. It's, it could be a great way to, for them to fund um, I just talked to a band called The Trouble Notes um, out of okay. you, out of uh, Europe, and they have a hundred million video views, and they're they're also joining us on Aficionados, um, not to plug the site, but I will um, <laughs> to uh, for their NFT. So it's 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 really exciting. As there's a lot for people to learn about that, but I think it's it's great to know that somebody like you, who's part of I guess technically financial establishment, also recognizes the value of of crypto and also the nft market i i honestly believe um not in my lifetime but i believe in my grandson's lifetime and beyond that um cri the crypto crypto space will take over the american dollar um mm -hmm. you know call me crazy just but which 30, is a big statement but i think you're right yeah yeah right 30 years ago people said the internet was crazy right and now i mean i Another thing that I talk about in my book is technological change, the change of technology, right? In 1992, 1991, Daryl, you and I were not able to have these Zoom meetings. We had dial up with that irritating uh, noise. Hey, maybe a fax machine. <laughs> yeah, right. You were lucky. You had to go somewhere to fax something because exactly, no one had a right. fax machine, right? No, but right. in all seriousness, think about how much technology has changed just in this 30-year window that over the next 30 years, and, and here's the analogy that I'm going to give you. During World War II, during the Vietnam War, you had to physically see the people that you were going to war with. Now, today, 
we are having a war by pushing buttons and never leaving our place of business on the military base. Right. So what technology do you believe that is out there that is not known to the public or has become mainstream like the internet has changed the world over the last 30 days. And that's how I have, those are the types of conversations that I have with my potential prospects is to think bigger and greater because the other thing that is constant in our lives is change. It changes constantly. Yeah. And I think, and it's also you know, part of uh, being a creative is, definitely being open to change. I mean, we, we are sorry, we're sort of more so than most people because we're used to adversity and, and dealing with our crazy lives. <laughs> but, yeah. but, um, but, you know, like things like, you know, I always say people will talk about Bitcoin and tokens and I'm involved with another company too, that just released a token. And people always say, well, what's that? And what's that worth? I'm like, well, you know, it's worth what Bitcoin was worth when it first launched. Yes. <laughs> so you just have to keep, you know, you never know where that's going to go you, or, you, you know, Right. You, you never know. Think of I, I, I tell people about cryptocurrencies. You have to get in if you were buying penny stocks. Right. Yeah. If, if you're if you were if you are not a penny stock trader, you're not going to be a penny crypto trader because the moment that that thing tanks, you're going to start to cry. And it's going. It, it, my portfolio is tanked four or five times, but I'm in it for the long run. The long run for me, my window is 10 more years. That's it. Yep. And, you know, perhaps I start to withdraw some of the uh, uh, of the chips off the table as I get closer to that window. I don't know. Yeah, yet. If, you hit, if, if you hit a certain milestone in your mind and just withdraw some and keep some in. And I mean, that's the same thing with the stock market, unless you just think that the, the company is going to completely go away. You're going to you still want to keep your hand in the game because you never know. Maybe they make a discovery. Maybe they come up with a new product. Yep. You don't want to be left. You don't want to be going, man. I wish I would have kept that stock. I wish I would have kept, kept that Apple stock. <laughs> yeah, hello, or the Amazon. Right. You know that that was one thing that um, I was speaking to um, the NBC news rep um, when when she said, Jerry, this was off camera. Obviously, she said, Jerry, what made you decide to go into it? And I said to her, I said, Emma, you ever take a cruise, or and you're on the back of a cruise ship? And you see all the foam of all the salt water of the of the engines that are the propellers, right? And then you, have you ever been on that dock and say, hey, I just missed the boat? Well, because I had my personal situation all taken care of, I had the opportunity to jump on the ship and see how long, it, how far it was going to take me. Sure. Right? You had laid the foundation, which enabled you to take advantage of opportunities. Right? Absolutely. So, <laughs> you, you know, working with a professional, again, there's a difference between experience and hindsight. Right. So the, okay. exper the experiences that I have shared is um, the work that I have done, but the hindsight is of hundreds of families of making mistakes that I can share of others with you, like I mentioned earlier. And right. that's yeah, you've seen, you've, over 30 years, you've seen, have you seen the worst of it and the best of it? <laughs> I, I haven't seen the worst yet, right? And right, um, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it's always like uh, the media, the news, right? The financial news networks, the market closes on an all-time high, on an all-time high. Well, for the last 30, 35 days, it's been closing at an all-time high. Every day it breaks a record, right? So I haven't seen, I know I haven't seen the worst yet. 
Yeah. Well, I remember when the stock market was at 2300. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, and I'm like, yes. yep, it just keeps, keeps going up. It, it just it keeps, down, keeps going it, up. Yep. It, it keeps going up. Awesome. Hey, Jerry, um, how can people find your book? Um, they can find the book on my personal website, Jerry, uh, Um, And just a little quick note, all the proceeds, not the profits, all the proceeds of the book, I am donating that money to charity in my cousin's name who, pa- who had a uh, brain aneurysm four years ago and oh, passed away. Okay. Okay. So I'm donating that. Well, that that's that's awesome of you to do that. And uh, man, you know, I, the thing about with you, I've always liked is that you have a great um, outlook on life. You're always um, always positive, and I know we've had some fun times on the road together where you've showed up, we partied, even going down to California and all all sorts of places. And uh, and I and you have such a wealth of knowledge, and I think it's important for musicians to realize that they should have access to the same knowledge that other people do, and they should be able to to go down the same road and have some kind of security and safety uh, for the future. Well, l- listen, I am I'm. Those were some touching words. Um, I look at it this way, Daryl. We only have one shot at it, right? And again, because I've been in this business, I've had the unfortunate pleasure. Um, of having friends, acquaintances, just clients been taken away from this earth sooner than anticipated, right? Or if we have, if we are lucky enough to live too long, meaning we need walkers, we need oxygen tanks, and we can't go where we used to go. Um, Having lost a friend um, in the World Trade Center Ever since that day, I have learned to live my life at 110%. And my belief is if, I, if I'm not hurting anyone, I'm not stealing, I'm not doing anything unethical. And if I decide that or if the big guy upstairs decides for me not to wake up tomorrow, I know where I'm going, right? right. So who wouldn't want to live that way? Yeah, yeah. and you, like you said, you would wake up every day like, you know, let's, let's rock this. Have fun. I always, I always think I have, I want to have fun for all the people that are, not, are still not here. All my, all my friends that have gone, I'm like, you know, it's, it's, I mean, and that's, it's not really a sad thing. It's just like, you know, you want to be able to, it, you should use that as motivation. That's what makes their, their lives um, even more valuable is that they help motivate you to do good things, to help people, um, which I think is super important. It's more, it's more important to not just live for ourselves. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back, using some musicians as examples, right. The, one of the greatest musicians ever and performer was Elvis Presley, right? Yep. You, you, you look at what his music has done through the, 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 the decades and the century, right? And imagine the impact he would have had if he did not pass uh, the greater impact, right? The, the guy's made an impact. Jimi Hendrix is the same way. People talk about his ability to play and those were the gifts that he had. They had, um, uh, what's his name? Um, his name just drew a blank in my mind. Valerie Bertinelli's husband. Yeah. Eddie Van Halen. (laughs) Eddie Van Halen. Right. It's just, these people are put here for a purpose and a duration and their legacies will last forever but imagine if they were around a little while longer, what bigger of an impact they could have made. No different than Michael Jackson, right? The halftime Super Bowl show. He's, right. I mean, it was just, you know, 
yeah. I think your your viewers and listeners are they get the idea. Yeah, that's just important, and it's just important to to be a good positive force in the world. Absolutely, there's a lot of stuff that's not so positive. So absolutely, we can, we can, we can, we, that's just a choice. You make a choice to wake up and 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 make a difference. And I really appreciate your time, Jerry. I know you're a busy guy, and um, I think I think all your insights are really. Um, really good for people to hear. And I think maybe we'll do another one of these down the road as well, if you'd like. Uh, absolutely. My door is always open. I'm always, um, I'm always grateful for the opportunity and, and um, Daryl, but most importantly, thank you for your friendship through the years. Um, it, it, it means a lot. Um, and I'm not just saying that it really does mean a lot. Well, awesome. Likewise. And uh, have a great day. Tell your wife and your family. I say, Hey, and, uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Perfect. I sure will. Behave awesome. and tell, yeah. tell, tell, tell your better half. I said hello as well. I will. Cool. All right. Thanks for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our podcast and follow us on our social media pages for guest announcements.